I was actually kicked off the ship. Um, but we'll not get into that. No, um, no, <laughs> no. Don't, don't skip over that. Welcome to the How I Got Here podcast with me, David Elliott. This week, we have a real treat in store. We have Lindsay Rooney, who runs Studio Souk on Anne Street in Belfast. Lindsay takes us through her career journey from cruise ships all the way to owning her own very successful business here in the city centre. Lindsay Rooney, um, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. We're here in your premises on the top floor. Can you, I was going to try and describe what it's like <laughs> in here, but I think it's better if you do because okay. you, you know you live and work in, well maybe yeah. you live in here, but you certainly work in if here. If I didn't have children, I probably would live here. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be a lot easier. Set the scene for us. Where, where are we and what are we surrounded by? Um, so we are, we are surrounded by a lot of paint, um, a lot of canvases, a lot of plants, um, a lot of, um, I'm going to say organised clutter. Um, that's probably the best way to put it rather than just calling it, well creative mess maybe that's probably the best way to put it um, so we're in um, two of my artists so it's Chantel and Deborah's space um, they we're got everything set up on their table um, the table is of course covered in paint the floor is covered in paint and on the other side of the room we have our framing space and on the other side we have our knitting space so it's a, a lovely amalgamation of, of creativity on the top floor and th- this uh, top it's the top floor of your business studio souk we're here on Anne street can you again kind of set the scene about the business and what it does and and uh, and what you sell to people so i suppose primarily when i'd set up studio souk it was about supporting artists um from my experience as an artist um at the time that i'd set up studio souk i was a silversmith um and when i'd first set up uh, the, sh- the shop I was working in my studio in the shop with with all the other artists um, and at the time I had I think it was about six residents and just a couple of retailers and then it is obviously transformed from there in Spires Mall to now on, on Ann Street where there's I think a, there's about 12 working residents and then about 80 to 85 artists and producers on the ground floor so I suppose the main thing is Especially when I was in Spires Mall, I realised that if I was going to change people's opinion on shopping and get them to move from those high street brands to support more local makers, I had to be in a space where people were. And during that time, you know, 2012, um, 2013, we were hitting kind of that reset we were still in that recession kind of space um there was a lot of empty faking units in the city center and we were also um that was the first time we were introduced to you know the home bargains and the the pine lands and the pine worlds and and that real air of convenience shopping and whereas before when i was younger you know it would have been very destination shopping you would have went i remember going to like the levi store and like getting large and going again your levi jeans for the year um you know and i think shopping's changed now for people we need to have it right on our doorstep and also we need to make it convenient for people and get people not to always shop online um, and to come in and experience a space. Um, so I suppose when I came to moving down in Ann Street here, it was vital that, that I picked the right space to engage with as many, many people as possible. So. And it seems pretty busy downstairs and you've, you know, you have plenty of customers coming in, yeah. really buying 
products that have been made locally and, 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 and by local artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it's important to... I think probably from maybe a Northern Irish perspective, people are always baffled that things are made here. I think we don't have confidence in ourselves. So when I'm talking to customers going, oh, well, that's made in, in Newcastle by, you know, Phil and Lisa. Or that's This is made in Belfast by a guy called Sean. They're like, really, is this made here? And I'm like, yeah, we have so many talented people in our country. And I don't think we give ourselves credit for that. So I think people are always surprised when they find that all the products are actually made in, in Northern Ireland or in Ireland as a whole. So I think it's an important thing to promote. And particularly, I, I always find it's the standard that, that, that we can as, as producers of whether it's food products or, or even when it comes to the artistic end, people seem to be surprised that, that we can be so good here as well. And yes. it's nice to celebrate that. It is. It's so important to celebrate it. And I do think now... You know, if we're looking to, to the modern, you know, day in 2019, the high street is changing and we can see it's changing. Um, I think we are getting, we are becoming a far more conscious shopper. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very, we're trying to, to change our um, attitude about the environment. We're trying to be more conservative with the products and packaging that we use and, you know, our carbon footprint and, you know, and a, a lot of things like that. So I think in terms of products, um, especially in the high street, if you look at maybe just say, for example, Topshop or River Island or something like that, people know that product. People yeah. know what it looks like. They just buy it online. You know, it's you know, it's sometimes if I look for a bit of clothes, you're sitting with a glass of wine on the computer at night and, and, and you buy a, a coat or something like that. But when it comes to something like this, people come in for the experience of it. They come for the experience to yeah. see the artists in their spaces. They come for something that they maybe can't get online or they still want to touch and feel a product. And I think that's where we stand out on the high street and and maybe why some of the big retailers like Debenhams and stuff are all slowly but surely disappearing and, and you really are a great example of that changing high street and how you know the, the generic products that can be bought online will be bought online but yet you are giving people an experience and this this room we're sitting in you know is an experience for people and it, yeah. and it really must you know you're a great example of that and how, how people want to get out and feel what they're buying yes definitely and I think that's important for tourists as well that they see our talent they see you know the products that we are producing in in the city because you know yourself if you're going into different cities around the world or you know even in uk all the high streets start looking the same yeah and what's the point in that it, it, it t- takes away the excitement of um yeah. going on a shopping trip or something like that you know you wouldn't want to go to barcelona and go into a boots would you no why would no. you do you know what i mean like <laughs> exactly. you want to go into wee shops that yeah, you've yeah. never seen before little quirky spaces that you can get a souvenir you can get something special and get a token of your of your of your travels there you know exactly um, um earlier we were talking about how tourists are a big part of your business yeah um, and you mentioned that the sort of summer holidays that you know used to be pretty quiet around belfast are are, are retaining a lot of and sort of attracting a lot of tourists now yes no definitely um in terms of even July you know July would have been if I when I was setting up but you know if it was four years ago July would have been a really quiet month whereas now July is one of our real busier months the you know the loads of cruise ships are coming in there's loads of American tourists Canadian tourists you know everybody from all over the world is coming is coming to visit us so um it's so nice to see and it's still shocking um, to see so many tourists around the city centre but it's it's such an amazing feeling to know and everybody's also complimentary and tells how everybody how friendly it is and how much they love the product so it's a real feel good factor it's lovely to, to see so many people wanting, wanting to visit us for sure um, Okay Lindsay so we're kind of set the scene with where you are now mm-hmm. in your career and this is a career podcast yeah. so take us right back 
to when you know your first job and when you knew well I suppose you've always you must have always been artistic because it's not the kind of thing you just you just take up late in life take us right back to kind of you know when you knew you wanted to follow uh, follow it as a career path yeah well I think I always wanted to go to art college that was that was a given that was something I was what all of us wanted to do um when I graduated university I actually graduated as a photographer now when I was at University of Ulster, there wasn't a photography degree you know you just kind of specialized in photography um through your fine and applied um so I started off being a photographer. I thought it was great because I got my first job at university straight off. I was a photographer for a magazine um, that's, that's not here anymore. Um, and I, uh, it was before the recession hit. So every night you were going out to like different events. There was like free, I don't even think we would drink Prosecco at the time. <laughs> what would there have been? Cava? Lambrini? Lambrini? I don't know what, what was cool then. Um, and, uh, you know, there was like free food and, you know, it was just like amazing. And I kind of would have had a glass of something in one hand and the camera in the other hand and oh, just yeah. snapping away what magazine was that it was called um, Accent Cosmopolitan it wow. would have been went in the South Belfast homes uh-huh. and I had a page called Later with Lindsay Later with Lindsay <laughs> I wish we're going to have to hunt that so, out I know <laughs> um, it's a miracle they've got any photos um, so yeah but like that was the time you know Victoria Square had just opened and yeah. you know ev- everything was really buzzing there were so many new businesses businesses and stuff opening and then I think it was only about a year later you know advertising has started to drop and nobody was wanting to invest in advertising and obviously if a magazine doesn't have advertising there is no magazine um so that kind of ended so that threw me in a bit of a you know going oh my goodness right okay so you were freelance yeah working mm-hmm. for yourself I yeah. mean that, that in itself is yeah. quite a it's, it's quite a responsibility yeah but it probably yeah but I suppose I when it comes to business, I have always worked for myself. Um, bar a couple of little stints in like Clemens coffee shop for two weeks or, you know, here and there. But the majority of time I've always, um, you know, worked for myself. And then photography was your first job. Photography was my yeah. first. And then um, I was growing tired of kind of just doing odd, you know, photography jobs in the city. And I decided I'd seen an advertisement to work for Royal Caribbean as a photographer. So I just decided to, to go ahead and do that. And, um, it was that was definitely an experience um i was actually kicked off the ship um but we'll not get into that no um, no <laughs> no don't, don't skip over that don't, don't don't talk about working for royal caribbean that's a great well, I think the, the problem story. was i um well i I, w- I was barefoot on the dance floor in a guest area which wasn't good I kissed somebody on the dance floor which wasn't allowed I didn't hem my trousers to which I told them what's the freaking point of hemming the trousers they're gonna glee anyway um my lot of the bosses were you know they wanted me to just be this little girl that was just gonna do what she was told or and, and I just wasn't going to have that um and then the the last kind of nail on the the ship coffin was um it was halloween and i decided to dress up as lady gaga and i thought it would be a good idea rather than paying 15 dollars in puerto rico for a wig i would pay five dollars for hair dye and dye my hair bright blonde um of course then i was late for work and i had to rinse the hair dye off so it was kind of some sort of orangey slash yellow slash white combination um and you're not really allowed to change your how you look in terms of your ship thingy. So um, I was, I think it was about a week later. I was my, my passport was held. I was your passport was held. Put on a plane by Safeguard America, and I was promptly put back to, to Belfast. So yeah, that was my Royal Caribbean experience. Fantastic. <laughs> and did you go all over the world? The, the Caribbean. So we would have done East Caribbean one week and West Caribbean the the next. That would have been the. Like it was, it was amazing, but you don't get to experience it. Like you're in the Caribbean and you're doing a formal night, and I'm dressed up in a polyester tux. 
like it's freaking insane like it's you know and then half the time people can't even speak English so like you're in Miami so a lot of people are Spanish and they were just mental and I remember going address address which was like get back they're all like scurrying to try and get a picture taken in front of the Titanic like you know the, one so of those drop picture, down things pictures of, of passengers uh huh yeah oh, gosh, and you right. had all you know the particular poses and stuff like that and yeah. then you were the one when they got off the ship there was like you know the wheel sitting there with the Jamaica on or whatever and you were having to try and, and nobody wanted their picture taken why would you you'd be saying fuck off leave me alone I'm on a holiday like you didn't want to be badgered brilliant yeah and then on Sunday night you would have had they all have been in this big gallery and you would have had to try and convince people to you know to, to buy this picture oh I see go right and you actually had to sell it as mm-hmm. well yeah That's it was great. hard work and why did you leave I mean that sounds like, a, like <laughs> sounds glorious know, doesn't it, it? So, so from there so from chuck, there chuck, chucked off a ship <laughs> made to walk the plank um, so from there when I got home um, I got pregnant <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> As you do. And uh, then I kind of thought I was doing some, um, you know, freelance photography work. And a lot of it was, you know, commercial work and different things like that. And I did find myself sitting in front of a computer a lot of the time, you know, editing off people's spots. And I realized, Frank, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I don't want to sit in front of the computer. I'm never a computer person. I'm very rarely on my laptop. Um, you know, I'm always a hands-on maker. And that's the first and foremost what I've always wanted to do. So if something ever would incline me to be sitting in front of a computer all day that just wouldn't happen you know even till now I don't even have a formal office I usually pluck up a chair in one of the artist studio spaces and do a couple of emails then I'm straight back to to doing other things so it's just not in my in my DNA um it doesn't make me happy so I suppose then after I realized I was doing that I thought um I just had my little girl and I thought I'd just go back to night class so I went back to Belfast Met and did silversmithing mm-hmm. wow yeah, and then that started me down the course of, of of doing that, and again just that hands on, hands on making. What kind of attracted you to silversmith? I think it was just I always was interested in jewellery and you know the manipulation of metal, and um, I think it was just that real skill. I think it's important, you know. I think when you're in art college, university, you know, you're kind of said, oh jack of all trade and a master of none you know you have to be a master at something and I don't think that's correct I think we need to have multi-skills mm-hmm. and I think that's how I've got potentially to where I am because you have to be adaptable you have to be multi-skilled it's great if you're able to be a master of something but then if you need to change a course or need to change your path due to economic changes or you know whatever's going on or there's a you know freak storm that's you know any 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 disaster anything that changes you need to be adaptable to certain situations so I think it's important that you have a broad spectrum of skills to under your belt and and so you you built up the skills in silver smith or smith yeah. silver smith silversmithing yeah silversmithing silversmithing right, okay, so we'd be silversmith so and 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 then so do you were you were a I suppose essentially a freelance uh, silversmith yeah, at the time, yeah, yeah? yeah. And, and sold your st- how did you sell your, your stuff so the majority of the time I would have sold it that was at the time when there was a lot of markets and you know craft fairs and yeah. different things um, I would have sold in Copper Moon one of my other retailers was Foca um, and I would have done a lot of commission pieces as well um, so that would have been my, my main but I made it work round when I had my oldest girl Macy so I would have made it work round mm-hmm. her so I would have had my studio space in the house brilliant um, but obviously having my studio space in the house, the loneliness of that, the isolation yeah. of that then catapulted me to, to open up, up Studio Sook. 
but it's still you have to go around and, and sell your your goods to Avoca to everywhere else. Like yeah. That. So really, that training on board the boat to try and sell photographs to to passengers. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm doing? Trying to link that all in. I think I probably had to pull back on my sales technique to go to Avoca. I don't think they would have probably appreciated my sales techniques I had to do on, oh, right. on so Royal Caribbean ships. A little bit more yes. subtle, was Just it? Just being adaptable to your client, I think. And then, yeah. so, the, so that, that kind of then, the, um, the, the seed of an idea to open up a shop. Um, how kind of, how did people receive the idea when you said, I want to open up a shop on a high street, and particularly in the centre of Belfast? Did they think you were crazy? Probably, yes. Probably a lot of people thought I was crazy and they thought, oh, you know, there's so much pressure with this and why are you putting so much pressure on yourself and this is a big commitment and what if it fails? And sometimes I think we live in a world at the minute where, you know, there's Instagram influencers and we're so aware of what's going on in the world. And I think sometimes it's okay to put on the blinkers and just be like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you know, because I, I do know yourself if you're thinking, oh, this person's doing this and this person's doing this. And it's great to do a certain element of research and be aware of what's going on in the world. But I sometimes think it takes away from what you're doing and it nearly is a distraction as well you know you still have to follow your own path and decide what you want to do so I think sometimes it is okay to just kind of you know tunnel vision and just yeah Where's go it? forward with what you want to do with your life you know whereas with the other if you're following other people too much it kind of limits your creativity yeah, in many respects because so. you're trying to copy people you're trying to copy people are going oh those people are doing better and you know especially Again, you know, we, I don't like to touch on the Instagram things that, and social media because it is a big thing at the minute. But I do think, you know, you see people doing well or you think people are making loads of money and the chances are they're not. Their business looks like it's profitable, but it's probably not, you know. Um, and as we know, with all these other big, massive high streets, they're in billions and they're millions of debt. Mm. Do you know, they haven't actually been successful businesses. The banks have just allowed this to carry on for so long. Mm. So I think that... You just have to, to do what's right for you and, and not look at so much at, at what other people are doing. Yes, there is competition, but I think, and you have to be aware of that, but I just think if you focus on what you're doing and make sure it can be the best that you feel it can be, then I think that's all the best, that's the best you can do, literally. What was it like when you were handed the keys to, the, this is not your original premises, but mm -hmm. your, your original premises on the first day and you walked in? I thought, crap, there's an awful lot of work to do here. <laughs> you know, like... I, I, I've always been a skip poker as such, you know, like even the units You're downstairs. You're a first skip poker, by the way. I'm a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more. I think at the time there would have been excitement. There was an awful lot of work I know I needed to do. Um, at the time, I did a, work, a lot of work with the Department of Justice. So I worked with one's guys that were coming out of the end of their life sentence and then oh, right. guys that would be up in Hyde Bank. So I had got together a good lot of workers to help me with my first shop um so it was a lot of like again you know it was a lot of skip hooking and um, finding bits of wood do you know it was old wardrobes that were put together to make the the, the table and the desk and it, it was old wardrobes the clothes were put in and um for the wallpaper we used books that you know paper inside books to make the wallpaper like it literally was just a there was because I think I'd only saved like six thousand pound or something like that to do up a six thousand square foot space oh. so you just had to make do with what what I had but that's the that's the glory about being a creative sometimes so you just sometimes it's actually easier to do that nearly if you have too much money you're about oh I want this one going right we've got nothing what what can we work with here what can we find to to create and even downstairs still like one of the tables I've had for five years was 17 pound from Bloomfield auction I've sold the chairs so I've actually made a profit on it <laughs> and I've still got the table there all the other tables I find in like an old unit right here they're like 
you know, they're probably, I don't even know how old they'd be. Like they are, probably somebody looks at them, they're falling apart. But I just think in theory, you could, you know, completely strip back spaces and, and do something really amazing with them. But then at the same time, sometimes that strips away character as well. And I just think that my imperfectness of this space is, is perfect for us, you know. And I suppose the natural follow on to that question is, um, the first day you opened the, the doors when it was ready uh, as an actual shop, what was that like? And um, and and I suppose in some some ways maybe not. And you can tell me if this is right or wrong. Maybe not as nerve wracking as if it was just a shop. It's also a workshop as well. So maybe you weren't quite as nervous as a, a shop owner might be. I think actually at the start, for example, even when I opened up Ann Street here you're not really happy with it at the start again it's not like you're spending hundreds of thousands of pounds like a high street store and you know you're getting all the the fitters in and it's this completed product by the end of that morning in terms of a workspace it's like i suppose anybody's office it's a work in progress a space doesn't look how you want it to at the start it's after a couple of years when you settle into it and there is paint on the floor you know when i had done the um water pistol painting here and there's paint all over the ceiling um i know what it was an amazing event i won't be doing it again um you know there's paint on the floor from that and you know there's random bits of wallpaper downstairs that i kind of covered up other things because they were on the wall and you know the floor before i painted it like gray and there's kind of half the paint coming off and but i kind of like it like that so i think it does take a wee while to settle in so i suppose that initial open the doors i was going no i don't like this this isn't right this looks too new you know there's just I'd see I see more issues with it. Whereas it's like a home, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. a home for loads of people. This is a place where people work. We socialise. There's a community here. So I suppose the longer you're here, the more it feels like home. How did you? So you're an artist, and you I mean, you'd obviously I suppose you've been running your own freelance business in many respects. But how do you pick up the skills to be able to the financial skills, the accounting skills to be able to to run a high street shop? Because for anybody, no matter even if they're accountants, it's going to be you know that's going to be quite difficult. Yeah, probably to my detriment, I don't really think too much about that. Um, My main goal was to open up the shop, get the artists in, get a community going, um, convince people to come to it, and then all that stuff was kind of thrown by the wayside in a way. Um, I know how to do a simple financial chart and you know and all that sort of stuff and I know what my profit and losses I'm still very good with money and I know how to, to work money in the business but um, I think sometimes obviously yes a business have to be profitable that is a goal for a business um, but I think sometimes people get too bogged under by you know the business plan and the business model and stuff without actually really knowing if it's viable business or not you know loads of things look amazing on paper but don't always yeah. work in reality as we know through loads of aspects of life um, so I think it was important first and foremost to get the place up and running see if it works and then all that other stuff can can come naturally behind and it's like anything in life we always are still continually learning we're always continually improving ourselves so to assume you're going to be perfect at the start of your journey is mm-hmm. is silly you know uh, so you built a business up and it's it's proven hugely successful by the looks of it um I, and I, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up but you've had to face some challenges as well along the way um when, when it comes to, to cancer as well I, is that right yeah so it's something that i'm very passionate about and um i was actually talking about um this week um with cancer focus um my mom died when i was 15 um to to breast cancer um and it was in 2017 that i decided to have a preventative double mastectomy um so that's something that's an important part of what i'm passionate about maybe as an entrepreneur and understanding to business people that you know i think people automatically assume the 
the harder you work or the more you work, the more successful you are, the more successful your business is. And that's not always the case. Um, the important thing for me is the community of artists that I have here and that we all look after each other. We all support each other and we all make sure our health and well-being is, is good as well. Um, and that we don't have to, to work crazy hours all the time to run successful businesses because the only thing you're going to do is damage your health damage your health yeah yeah. yeah. so I think it's trying to to build the life that, that you that you want you know and, and it's such so nice so refreshing to see in, in a business that can look after and look after wellness you know so many businesses touch on it but they don't actually live it yeah um, I think some like bigger companies are you know one of my friends she does um, corporate yoga so but, yeah. they, but they're a lot of big they're bigger companies that are more looking into that kind of wellness um but I suppose a lot of times big companies they are you're all sitting at a desk all day whereas yeah. we're not doing that uh, but I think with you're it, shooting paint at a wall with a water pistol yeah, uh-huh, yeah. pretty much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was really fun it, it, I just didn't assume that people would squirt it at themselves yeah. I didn't I was kind of going from the Jackson Pollock kind of side you yeah, know in terms yeah. of paintings and you know be be your own Jackson Pollock it didn't work out like that um, but it was a lot of fun um, but yes the the evidence is still there. The other now side of that. Now that you say it, it yeah, 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 we can't. I know, again. but yeah. I, I thought I was going to keep it, and then a couple of weeks after, I was like, no, this really has to get painted over. It's really not good. But anyway, very good. So tell me, what what does the future hold for for you and for the business? You know, where do you, where do you go now? Because you. It's obviously in a pretty good place, but where, where do you go now? Yeah, well, I think because I had set up Born and Bred, which is my shop in Belfast City Airport. And and through that, I have built um, a brand of, you know, products, Born and Bred products. So I have my mugs. I've just brought out the water bottles. I do the 12 Days of Christmas Advent calendars. Um, I do like the laser cut irons. And there's um, a lot of kind of branded products that I'm wanting to do with that. And, and people seem to, to love it. So I think that's something that I want to develop, um, developing the website in regard to that brand and then um, moving that brand then into into the city centre. And how did the airport deal come about? Because that, that's a that's a real coup. That's a, that's a great place to be seen. Yeah, I think when I had done photography with them before and uh, I'd heard that they were reconfiguring in 2018 so on the 1st of January pretty much 2018 I rang them when I went to shop in the airport um, and I put together a proposal but uh, thankfully the directors of um, you know, it's a great team over there and they'd already been in the shop you know studio sick in the city centre they'd love the concept and it's something that you don't really ever very much see it see you know see in an airport yeah, so yeah. um i think it was important to display that you know it looks brilliant it, 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 my other two things that i think should be in airports are gyms and um barbers um but you know when you have time to time to waste you know yeah go, and go to the gym i don't know where you get your kit from anyway well i think well i suppose maybe if you knew the gym was there and you had 45 minutes to kill yes you, you know, would, you just you bring your stuff and they have showers. Exactly. Yes, Get that'll in. be my next business. Sorry, Thank I, you. I, no, I'm kind of. I'll, I'll put a wee side gem in the shop in the airport. I'll help yeah. you with a pitch yeah. for that one. Uh-huh. Um, so, <laughs> just I, I, one treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen minute timer. Treadmills on planes, you know. Sorry, uh, it's, it's. There's treadmills on planes. No, but there should be. There should be, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. I would keep your deep. Maybe there is in some first class. We, I just haven't had the privilege of doing that yet. Wouldn't. One day, maybe. One day when there's. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would your advice be 
to somebody to a, a, a young artist that, that wants to really make a go of it you know that it's maybe sitting with a, an offer to become an accountant but has a real artistic flair and a love for it. what what would what would your advice be to them yeah I think in terms of um, people's career and, and, and their journey um, through their career I don't think it was like years ago for example my dad you know if he was a graphic designer and he was in the same agency for a long time I think that now we can be a bit more changeable with our careers whereas I think maybe a couple of decades ago you kind of left your job maybe when you were 16 you know or sorry you left school when you were 16 you went into your job and you kind of nearly stayed there until your retirement and yeah. there was a fear maybe if of leaving that particular path that you go and it's like you know you've made your bed kind of lie in it whereas I don't think things are like that now and I think times are changing from a technology perspective um, so rapidly that we have to be adaptable and I always say to everybody you know always just give it a go and if it doesn't work out it is okay I just think you always learn from the different experiences that you have and you become a more well-rounded person so def and you definitely have that more of adaptability to different situations so I always just say to people just give it a go like I know loads of people that have been in the corporate world for a while and then they've decided to want to go in the creative world and that's so brave to to leave that um security maybe if like a corporate job to go and work for yourself um but because i really always worked for myself i could never imagine going in and having a boss i would find that probably impossible to be honest with you you can't see yourself going in and sitting at a computer all day for for eight or ten hours no definitely 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 not it's just not it's just not something i would i would want to do i think as a creative person you can always put your hands to anything and you can always make anything produce anything and and always carve out some sort of self-employed career for yourself. Um, I just think that people just get so bogged down by, you know, having this perfect career and having this perfect journey. And, you know, there's loads of people that, um, you know, they get their dream job at 20. There's loads of people that don't get their dream job till 50. You know, it's just, that's your path. And I just I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. I think that's what it is. Is this your dream job? Yes, definitely. Without a doubt. I've always, I've never regretted anything. There's been times when things have been really stressful, um, especially when you're trying to juggle children and having kids. And, you know, I have, when, you know, when I had my second little girl and I'm in the hospital and the next day and you're sitting doing emails and she's like lying beside you and she's only a couple of days old and she had to get chucked in, you know, a baby sling and just brought in to work with me and her nappy was changed actually on this table quite a lot. Um, you know, and sometimes when things get like that, it gets tough but then when I look back on it I'm just like well I would have rather actually it was nice her being here do you know and even Macy she comes in all the time Adeline my she's in the shop all the time and they're just kind of I, I try and make it work that they're involved in that I think sometimes we compartmentalize is that correct word mm. thank you um our lives that much and everything's very separate you know you've got your work and then you've got your home life. And yeah. then if you, you've got like a hobby, if you want to play golf or yoga, you know, do something like that. And everything's so like segregated. Whereas to me, everything of mine just amalgamates into to one. And I like it like that because I think then, especially from my children's element, they see the work that goes into running business. They see the how hard it is and, and hopefully they're proud of me. And uh, when you're with your friends and, and, and family, and I just think it's important. And I think sometimes then when you do that, 
and you create that balance it, you take away the word work and it just becomes your passion and yeah. something you enjoy and it's just your life and and that's something that I think people feel that they're not allowed to you know we live in a world where we just think we have to do the work the nine to five and like who, who invented that you know that's just this capitalist kind of attitude the how they want everybody to behave and I think people don't want to go out of that status quo when they think that that's what they need to do and you just live for the weekend like I hate that you know it's like hump day and you can't wait that Friday feeling yeah. every day should feel amazing you can't it's eight hours a day is too long to do something that you don't love you know it's such a waste of a life in a way do you know what I mean and I know that maybe sounds very dramatic but I just think you should always do what you love I just don't think you know in my day, I look at the phone and go, oh my goodness, right, oh, so it's half four, right, I've got, you know, like, oh, it's, it's nearly two, I don't want to leave work here yet to go and pick up the kids, you know, I like it to be that your whole day is just filled with so many different things and um, and you enjoy, you enjoy your work or you, you enjoy your life, you know. I think that's probably the best piece of advice that we've had yet. You know, oh, really? Just gotta, okay, cool. Got to <laughs> really enjoy it and... Um, I think I think there's no more to be said. Thanks okay. very much for your time. Thank today, you. Lindsay. Thank you very it's much. It's been fascinating to, to listen to you and, and to be here and, Thank and you. to see everything. So so thanks so much. Thank you, David. Cheers.